0: reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2. It's longer than a usual reading, so I encourage you to settle in and hear God's word and the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit upon his church. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how it is that each of us hear them in our native language? Parthians, Mies, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine.
1: Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreign knowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke to the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not to abandon to the realm of the dead, nor, his, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said,
0: With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message would baptize and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe to a many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and the believers were were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray for Felipe before he shares this morning. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Felipe and the things that you have laid on his heart through your word. We pray that you would be with us now and open our ears to hear your word and be with us as we think about your spirit, come to those who believe in you, those who you have opened a way to come to you. We thank you that your call has gone out to the entire world, to all people of many tongues and places.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you. I came from a country where it's always summer. And uh, I believe that some of our people in our congregation also come from countries that is always summer. Brazil is Narnia upside down. We say that there are certain parts of Brazil that even the devil doesn't go there because it's too hot. (laughs) Well, in the south of Brazil, you can get seasons throughout the year. But I would say that at least two-thirds of Brazil, it's always summer. And since I got here to Vancouver, I've enjoyed experienced the four seasons of the year. And what has been helpful to me to make the most of every season of the year? is the liturgical calendar. The liturgical calendar gives me rhythm to live according to the seasons. For instance, Advent and Christmas happen during the winter, which is my least favorite season. (laughs) It's cold, it rains, sometimes snows, there are no leaves on the trees, and it seems there's no sign of life around. But paradoxically, it is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the life who came to us. So when apparently there is no sign of life around, we celebrate Jesus, the one who brought us life. So it helps me to see how Jesus is bringing life into my own life when it's winter. And for every season of the year, the liturgical calendar helps me to embrace more fully the season that I'm in. And if you take a look at the liturgical calendar, you can notice that basically six months of the calendar is about living and celebrating the work that Jesus has done for us. And the other six months are what we call ordinary time. From December to May, we tell the story of Jesus. We celebrate and we live out what God has done for us. And roughly from June to November, we tell the story of the people of God. And we live those months in response to what God has done for us. Today is Pentecost. And this means that we are starting the ordinary time. And besides the logical sequence of biblical events, Jesus' death and resurrection, ascension last Sunday, and now Pentecost, The Pentecost is here in Acts 2 to to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and also to to shape how we ought to live our ordinary time. As Advent shapes our living and action to fully embrace Christmas and as Lent prepares us to live and embrace Easter in the same manner. The Pentecost... Narrative, it's here to empower us to live the ordinary time. So, in that sense, Pentecost is quite missionally oriented. Therefore, I believe that each individual, each local church, and the big church of Christ is called to live as Pentecostals. I'm not saying that we should change denomination, although I have much empathy for our and brothers in the Pentecostal denomination. But what I'm saying is that we are called to live Pentecostally, according to Acts 2. And many times on this Sunday, uh, on Pentecost, we tend to focus uh, on the gift of tongues, and uh, we forget that this event is a threefold event, and all three elements are indispensable for an authentic Pentecost celebration. As we read, the entire chapter of Acts 2 is the Pentecost narrative. So, the coming of the Spirit, first, and people receiving the gospel in their own mother tongue. Then, secondly, Peter explaining Jesus' life, death, and resurrection through Scripture, and then people repenting and getting baptized. And finally, the third element is the community of faith that has everything in common, and they pray, they break the bread, and uh, they are under the apostles' teaching, and they share their possessions. However, to go over all these elements today, or take us another sermon series, basically, so therefore today we'll be focusing on the coming of the Spirit and the speaking in tongues. If you notice in the beginning of Acts 2, we see Jews from every nation under the heaven listening to the good news in their own mother language. That means that every person has the right to listen to the good news in their own mother tongue. The Pentecost means that the gospel doesn't have an official language. The official language of the gospel It is not Hebrew, it is not Greek, nor Latin, not even the King James version. (laughs) The official language of the gospel is your own mother tongue. Whether English, Spanish, Portuguese, French, Korean, Aymara, German, Swahili, Mandarin, Cantonese, Serbian, Malay, etc. The official language of the gospel is the language that your mother used to sing to you before bed. A Latin American theologian called Juan Stam says the gospel can only become incarnate through the idiosyncrasy of each person. This means that the gospel can only become incarnate. Through the specific characteristics of each person and place. Therefore, the gospel only becomes incarnate through a Pentecostal context. That is, the gospel has to be contextual and indigenous. Wait, wait a minute, Felipe. What does this bunch of difficult words means? It means that, the, that God came down to meet you where you're at in your language in your culture here is not you that goes to god but it's god coming to you so you don't need to give up your chinese identity identity to become a christian you don't need to give up your first nation identity to become a christian and even the gospel is better communicated when you're faithful to your ethnic identity in Christ, you find a new dimension of your ethnic identity. And in Christ, the culture is not destroyed, but Christ perfects the culture. Now, perhaps this coming of the Holy Spirit was not the way that the disciples was, were expecting or imagining. For sure, it was louder and powerful and, uh, and the way that they, they wouldn't expect the spirit of God comes down but interestingly that meets them in a familiar way in their own languages and more than that it was catered to each individual that was there Now here I would like to make a stop and and talk a little bit about a new language, learning a new language. Uh, if, if you learn, if you, if you speak a new language, or if you learn a new language later on in life, after your childhood or late teenage years, uh, young adult, or, or even later, you know that to learn a language requires submission to a people. And the person who is learned must submit to that language every single day. You have to learn what the word means, as they are bound to events, songs, sayings, jokes, everyday practices, habits of mind and the body, and all of this usually within a land and with a people who are journey in that piece of land. Anyone who has learned a language other than your native tongue, you know, how humbling learning a language can actually be. Tell me how many times have you felt frustrated when you couldn't express yourself as you wished? People could not understand you even though you were highly educated and knowledgeable about the subject being discussed. So here, We have a God that humbles himself to meet you at your native language level. It comes to mind Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, he gave up all his status, power, to come down and live a life here like one of us in their neighborhood. And you know, he made his ministry based in Galilee, which was Islam or a Favela, or if you want to translate for us, East hastings. And he died shamefully on the cross. All of this because of you. Moreover, it doesn't stop here. Now his spirit is meeting and speak to you or to them in their mother tongue. How much lower does God need to go to reach people, to reach you? And now my question for us at this point, can we do the same? Can you learn a new language to communicate God's love love to others? In the same manner that God met you and spoke to you in your language, in your culture, can you do the same to others? To speak to them in their language. And here we are talking about languages that are more than words. More than words, it's all you have to do to make the gospel real. Let me tell you this. In 1974, in Lausanne, Switzerland, happened the first International Congress on World Evangelization. Thousands of evangelical leaders from 150 countries were there. For you to have an idea, Billy Graham was there, and John Stott was the head of that council. And this conference is well known because they they wrote, they produced a document called the Lausanne Covenant, which is considered the most important document of modern evangelicalism. And as they were writing this covenant, uh, some Latin Americans and African theologians who were there, they made sure that one specific line would be part of this covenant. And the line says, We must preach the whole gospel to the whole person. This means that the good news of Jesus Christ that we preach to people is not only to save their souls, but it has to save the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. That means preaching of the gospel and actions go together. It is not simply intellect and words. It's more than words. It requires us to be in a relationship with those people so we can attend to their needs. And isn't it? what the spirit is doing here in the Pentecost. Spirit coming and meeting them in a familiar way in their own mother tongue. Then the gospel message is communicated to them through Peter. And then the community of faith have everything in common and their needs are taken care of. So Going back to learning languages, eventually, when you persist, and you study, and you're diligent, and you insist, eventually, you become fluent in that language. And after you become fluent with that language, at some point, you come to love it. And you fall in love with the sounds of that language. And the language starts to sound beautiful to you and then you start to love the people their food the face the praxis the songs oh what a difference when spanish songs start to make sense to me when english song i could finally understand the poetry oh what a joy and then you start to perceive Happiness as they speak to you, or sadness, or the ambiguity, the truth, or lack of truth, and then you start to love the place and their land and their landscape and their homes. When you speak a language, you speak a people, and God speaks people fluently. And let me give you an example of people in our congregation who learned to speak a new language as some of you might know we have people in our, our congregation that made a choice to live in the west end not only to live there but to be like one of them they talk with their neighbors they invite them to their home they eat with them They go to restaurants, coffee shops, gym, and they even dress like them. So these congregants who decided to live and be present in the West End, they learned to speak a different language. Even though at some point, or even now, it's unfamiliar for them, many times uncomfortable, foreigner, But you know, because God met these congregants in the past and spoke their language and met them in familiar ways, they are now mimicking God's movement towards their neighbors out of love. And I would like to propose a few questions for us to reflect this morning. As God lowered himself to meet you at your needs, in familiar ways, would you be willing to be his ears, voice, hands and feet in your neighborhood? It might require you to learn a new language. So what is the language being spoken in Burnaby and Isvan? In North Van, Richmond, New Westminster, Coquitland, Port Moody. What people are talking about on the streets, and the coffee shops on the bus. Is your neighborhood primarily made of young families, retired folks, immigrants? Where those immigrants are coming from? What are their needs? Are they lacking resources? Or they have resources but are lonely? They need childcare? What kind of food do they like? What kind of food they eat? What is the smell in your neighborhood? Does it smell Chinese food? Does it smell sushi? What what is the smell of the food in your neighborhood? What people are eating there? I think Pentecost is an invitation for us to learn more about this God who made himself familiar to us so that we can make God familiar to those around us. And I would like to finish with the Apostle Paul's. Approach on this matter um, from First Corinthians chapter nine, and I'm, I'm using a, a, a different version that we, we we read this morning here, and uh, he says uh, this: Even though I'm free of demands and expectation of everyone. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious and non-religious. Meticulous moralists lose living immoralists. The defeated, the demoralized. However, I did not take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But this is, this is interesting, the way that he puts this. But I entered the world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I met Into a God-saved light. I did all this because of the message. What message? That God so loved the world. That he sent his only son to die on the cross. So that whoever believes in that has eternal life that message and he says he finished I did not want I did not just want to talk about it it's more than words I wanted to be in on it let's learn a new language
0: You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.